0: All right, let's see if we remember this, K. Oh boy.
1: Are you tired of men monopolizing mansplaining? Well, we're here to help provide relief from that drone of men explaining to women what it's like to be a proper lady. And instead, gonna talk about what it's like to be a proper man. Welcome to Mansplaining,
0: an explication of
1: hypermasculinity in pop culture. My name is Brittany Walker. And I'm your co-host, Kay Grossman. So, the last time we talked... Were pretty damn optimistic. America was gonna be a feminist utopia. It's gonna be wonderful, like your favorite movie, Wonder Woman. Uh, that opening scene makes my heart like be a little faster. But unfortunately, it is 2017. Yeah. Um, so we we you woke that Sanders train to the primary. I, I was I did. always on Hillary. Choo choo. I was really sad. Yeah. Um, we we disappointed along with the rest of the nation when Hillary didn't win. And now it's 2017 and Trump is president. Uh, I could get fired from my job for taking birth
0: control. And we just got back from Earth's really, really terrible party called the Red Center. Yeah, I'm of Jacob. And I'm of Ryan. And this is Mansplaining. Ryan, cue the music.
1: Okay, that was mean. Welcome, Mansplainers. Happy Independence Day. Uh, We're celebrating this great holiday with beer, fireworks, and the best movie for the season, the 1996 hit Independence Day, starring Will Smith and Jeff Goldblum.
0: This is one of my favorite movies. And I didn't say that past tense on purpose. This is honestly one of my favorites.
1: Um, I have like very vivid memories of watching this movie as a small child.
0: I think it's because after it was released, it was like Twister, where it's like just Twister and then and then Independence Day and like Rotation. And that was like...
1: The only two movies licensed to show on, show on television?
0: Yeah, like on USA. <laughs> so this was done by uh, Roland Emers. Who also did the day after tomorrow and The Patriot, and you know, Independence Two. Uh yeah, that one went over well. No, it was really bad. It only got like thirty million or something. It was it was disappointing. Uh but
1: somehow he's also making Independence Day Three, which will be in his words, an inter intergalactic journey. So Oh man, I'm so excited. Be excited.
0: I mean, I'm excited for fun. Jeff Goldblum to come back. Me too. I'm glad he's getting work these days. You know, I was really worried about him after the fly, but he's really prospered. <laughs> so this movie was made um, with $75 million.
1: Whitney? Yes. I have a really important question for you.
0: Yes. How much
1: is that? How many Tootsie Wills could you buy for that?
0: That's a wonderful question. And I just have that offhand um, because I have a... Tootsie roll calculator inserted into my brain. And to answer your question, three billion Tootsie rolls. That's a lot of Tootsie rolls. Yeah, if you buy yourself three billion Tootsie rolls, you too can make Independence Day.
1: Um, Not that I would want to, because Tootsie rolls are gross.
0: You are incredibly wrong, but this made a fantastic movie. It grossed over $300 million and. It won Best Visual Effects at the Academy Awards. Question. Did this actually come out on Independence Day? I did research. (laughs) Yes, because we're speaking this on the internet and everything on the internet is true. So if we say it, then we can create that idea that it did start on July 4th, 1990. Imagine yourself in the movie theater. July 4th, 1996. You're sitting in the front row
1: and... Why would you sit in the front row? That's the worst place to see a movie.
0: Because you're a teenager. How old are you
1: in 1996? Five and you were six, so... Okay, I was... Six.
0: Six years old. That is true. I am surprised it got best visual
1: effects, though, because... Oy, boy, boy, they those don't hold up.
0: Yeah, they're real bad. It, it reminded me of a couple of weeks ago... Where I played GoldenEye in 64 and I remember it being the best video game in existence. I played it for hours. I memorized the maps. Spoiler alert.
1: It bad. It real bad. Um, and I had no pop culture icons growing up, so I can never be disappointed.
0: It's so true. It's so true. But there were just some real cringe-worthy scenes. Um yep. I, my, my favorite one of which that really didn't hold up was when Vivica Fox like, with her son in tow, jumps into, like, this, this, like, corner room closet thing.
1: um In a subway. In a and subway. A, a tunnel.
0: Yeah, or a tunnel. I don't know. Yeah. Anyhow, and then the dog.
1: Boomer. <laughs> <laughs> Boomer <Booma> the dog.
0: <laughs> oh, you remember? What was the girlfriend? Who was Vivica Fox? Jasmine. Oh, wow. You remember all of them. Okay, well, I don't. So the dog. Like, with fire bursting behind him, like, jumps in, and I was just like,
1: wow, this is really terrible. That's also not how explosions work.
0: Sure. And also, the, the alien scene was real bad.
1: Yeah. It looked also, like a puppet. And also kind of like, what's the opposite of phallic? The vaginal? Yonic.
0: Yonic, yes. Thank you. No problem. Can you leave vaginal in, though? <laughs> I like, what if we just start using that as, like, a direct object? Vaginal, I guess it could it be, be a descriptor.
2: I like Yannick, but- I do like Yannick. It sounds like alien, like Lovecraftian.
0: Oh, it does. You're right. Okay, so like
1: all of our vaginas.
0: Oh, god, guys, <laughs> I need us to get out of this labyrinth of vagina talking.
1: This labia, like, La- uh, was- oh, no, <laughs>
0: gross, gross. <laughs> wow, casers.
1: All right. Welcome back to Mansplaining, guys. Oh, yikes. Okay.
0: Let me fucking find my place on the goddamn notes. Kay. Okay. Okay.
1: So we were talking about where. Uh, It was so popular uh, that it actually started a really bad book series. I mean, most movies did at the time. It, Novelizations were big. What else would you sell at Scholastic Book Fairs? I
0: guess. Yeah, they still sell those too. And like a lot of Minecraft books, which I cannot understand.
1: Just go with it. Anything yeah. to get the kids weeding.
0: Um, (laughs) it was such a mom thing to say. (laughs) Um, it also had a a video game. Did it hold up? No. Okay. No. You can actually see me playing it. It Anyway. In the show notes. Sure. And toys that came accompanied with a floppy disk to put into your good old computer. What's a floppy disk? Huh. So. So please explain to me in technical
1: terms. Um,
0: it's like a USB, but lame. I played Orange Trail on them in computer class.
1: <laughs> and also this, this Math Invaders space. I remember that one. That was really important pew pew. to me. Same. Um, okay. So in case you're one of the four people that hasn't seen this movie, Brittany, give us like two minute synopsis. 30 seconds.
0: Okay. There's like a whole bunch happening in this movie. Like There's a I, lot of side plots. A lot of side plots. So um, aliens are, are like, yeah, we're going to take over your planet. Or whatever. And we're using your side a lot. It's like the Russians do. And Will Smith's like, do, do, do. I'm going to reenact Top Gun. And then um, they shoot the aliens. Pew, pew. And then the crazy pilot guy or something or whatever um, who thinks he's been um, taken up by aliens. And they make, like, alien molestation jokes, which is, like, not okay. Can we please stop making jokes about that? But then... He sacrificed his life like Jesus and flew up into the alien vagina and blew it up. Just like in Star Wars.
1: Yeah. I mean, this movie actually just feels... Just like in Star Wars. K. A lot of this movie feels like it's just like clips of other pop culture all taken together and like kind of zipped together with like threads of other movies. Agreed.
0: I forgot a really important side plot, which was Jeff Gobloom. And how he's like Al Gore of 1996. He is bikes like, everywhere. Yeah, and he's like, oh, blah, 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 don't, um, you know, ride a bike instead of walk. When whatever. he gets
1: drunk, he actually just talks about destroying the environment. Yeah. Like, that's that's his drunken ramblings.
0: It's true. He's basically like that guy off S-Town. what I miss? I mean, that's, that's the basic of the movie. So when I uh, watched this, I was like, oh, Bill Pullman. He's like the president in every single movie. And for some, I had a ferm- fermented, no, solidified yeah. view of Bill Pullman as like America's president. But he's really only been president in like two movies. So that's fun. Like 1600 Pennsylvania or something. Philadelphia, that probably makes more sense.
1: No, if it's 1600 Pennsylvania is the address of the, uni- the White House. Of course it is. I know that because
0: I'm a teacher. You don't teach social
1: studies. You're fine. Yes. I won my elementary school geography bee um so the president um he's he starts out kind of weak not particularly you know just lame duck president actually yeah. he's not he's a new president he's just bad yeah uh, bad as relative these days but so um, his but real shining moment is like the independence day speech which actually according to many different online lists is one of the best movie speeches Uh, only there, only after Aragorn's speech in Lord of the Rings.
0: Oh, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah.
1: Um, it's a very rousing speech of, we all want to be on this day. It's it's reminiscent of Shakespeare's, uh, St. Crispin's Day speech from Henry V. I
0: see that a lot. Especially Uh, it's like, fellow gentlemen and like, kind of like rally the troops. We're all going to die, but it will be good to die. Yeah, it'll be so fun. Like, this is going to be a rad time to die. I always found that scene, and I know it's supposed to be in Henry V to be, like, super sad. Because you have this dude that's, like, doing this speech. And he knows that all of these ki- people are going to die. I guess it's just like Independence Day. He knows, too.
1: Yeah. <sighs> Not false. So, okay. But, I mean, to be fair, he's willing to die, too. He's at that's the front. He's in a fighter jet. Just like Henry. <sighs> There's a ton of weird side plots. My favorite being... One of the scientists who's played by Data of Star Trek TNG fame. Mr.
2: Preston. Wow. Ah, uh, this what a pleasure. As you can imagine, they they don't let us out much.
1: I just love data. I can understand that.
0: <clears throat> my favorite is when Will Smith drags an alien across the desert.
2: You know, this was supposed to be my weekend off. Um, I knew you got me out here dragging your heavy ass through the burning desert with your dreadlock sticking out the back of my parachute. You gotta come down here with an attitude, hacking all big and bad.
0: And just yells at him the entire time.
2: And what the hell is that smell?
1: <laughs> I could have been at a barbecue! Yeah, he's very angry.
2: But I ain't mad.
1: All right. This whole Scott squadron has died, so to be fair. It's true. Oh my god, we forgot
0: to mention the Top Gun subplot. Oh, yeah. With him and very, Goose.
1: It's a very quick, and by Goose, you mean Jimmy. Yes. Same person. Um, yeah, the, you get a really quick little brief nod to Top Gun as they go off into the fighters, uh, fighter jets to face the aliens for the first time, which. Spoiler alert, does not work. Nope, nope, not not um, so. Jimmy dies. Doesn't work so well for well, Goose, as same. we know. Yeah, Goose never ends well.
0: Um, um, So I have a question, and this is probably going to be offensive. And I want to warn you, so that way you can prepare for this. Okay. Okay. Do JWs believe in aliens?
1: No, no, that's not our thing. It's really not. At all? No,
0: I thought you were like the sisters to the Mormons, and the Mormons' defos
1: believe in no, aliens. No, we're like the sisters to the Seventh day Adventists, but oh. brothers because it's all about the men.
2: Huh. It's very patriarchal.
1: Well, my I dad don't. loves aliens. I mean, my brother, I think he's a big conspiracy theorist, so I think he believes in aliens, hmm. but he's just a weird kid. So,
0: yeah, my dad too, which makes sense because they both believe in aliens, alien documentaries. <laughs> Um, okay, so as we're watching, the thing that I really found was interesting is Independence Day was kind of the first in a lot of these like Armageddon esque movies the late nineties. Um, so, for instance, followed
1: was uh, Deep Impact, uh, featuring a young Elijah Wood.
0: Oh, Livy,
1: I, I had a crush on him. Oh, that makes sense.
0: Armageddon, which I never saw. My mom wouldn't let me. <gasps> it has this really really hot sex scene in it with Liv Tyler.
1: I love Liv Tyler, but that's probably why my mom didn't let me watch it.
0: True, true. Um, And I know we were kind of like shooting the shit as far as like, well, what does this tell us? Like, let's think deeply about this. the the anxieties of the late 90s that would encourage this. And you had a theory.
1: So my theory is, so really in the late 90s, you're you're having a lot of cultural tension. Um, And so what do these disaster movies kind of indicate? And I think one of the things is we don't really have a big bad so up until 1992, 1990, 1991, you had the Russians. They Cold War uh, that was pervasive for a good 40 years, and it's kind of understandable that America doesn't have a common enemy anymore. Who's the big bad? So we have to look outside ourselves. So the new villain is no longer an internal force. It's completely external. Um, and I think that both makes it more less fallible so it's purely evil and also more untouchable.
0: I like that a whole bunch. Like there's like a sense of like hopelessness there.
1: Yeah, and and I f- a lot of these movies the stakes are very high. I mean, yeah. in all of these movies. Yeah, I like that a whole bunch. Um I was thinking more like like Y2K stuff. I mean, it, a lot of that too, but I feel like so I think a lot of that is a little bit later, like 1998, 99, Yeah, before Y2K really hit. So, my theory, as someone who was all of nine years old in 2000, so. You
0: know what? I like it. I like the theory. I think you got something going there. Um, I had a, a, a theory, too, um, not related to this, but more of, like, the women in the movie. So, there are, there are three main women. Uh, the first is the president's wife, and
1: we have Will Smith's wife, and then we have a Jeff- girlfriend at the time. Oh, really? Yeah, she was she, – they get married in the movie.
0: Oh, yes, yes. I thought
1: you meant in real life. And you're like, man, he snagged a fox.
0: Right? Okay, anyhow. And the third one was Jeff Goblin's wife. And my theory, Kay, are you ready to hear it? Very excited. That these three women represents the three waves of feminism.
1: What do you mean? Can you um remind me of those? I kind of haven't done gender theory in a while. <clears throat> no problem. All right, so.
2: <clears throat> well, actually, I think I can explain that.
0: Welcome to Men Explaining Feminist Theory. Today, we have a man explaining the three waves of feminism
2: understand the ways that we talk about feminism and waves, you really have to start by talking about the late 1800s, early 1900s suffragette movements, which were what we consider now to be quote-unquote the first wave of feminism when men were beginning to get pushback from women on just the essentials of women being able to be recognized uh, politically and legally as human Uh, the ability to own property the ability to vote the ability to uh, run for office all of this comes from a result of that first wave quote-unquote of uh, suffragists and so when second wave feminism became coined as a term it was In response to that first wave of suffragettism in the beginning of the century. And second wave feminism comes around kind of primarily as a result of women entering the workforce during World War II. And as a result of women having to work in these jobs that were primarily considered to be male labor, uh, we start to get Scholarship that's beginning to come out, uh, you know, Simone uh, de Beauvoir and uh, uh, Betty Friedan's Feminist Mystique, all this coming out at that same time kind of caught this wave and really set the stage for Women's Lib in the 1960s uh, through the 70s and early 80s. Now, second wave feminism, you have to understand, has a strong uh, focus on being ex- excessively feminine and really embracing uh femininity as not being equal to male but really being kind of this entirely separate and equally as good thing so whereas first wave feminism focused on getting women to have essential equal political recognition as men uh feminism in the second wave really focused on social equality uh for those who are are feminist and feminine by a very strict definition now, some of the people who really uh had issues with second wave feminism uh were people of color and other marginalized groups. And that is kind of essentially what caused the rise of the third wave of feminism, which was a seen as a response to the second wave of feminism, where women began to uh, kind of expand the definition of female and woman to include more marginalized groups and less strict definitions of femininity. So you have a lot more intersectionality where you have uh, black and racial theory getting melded into feminist theory and class theory getting melded into feminist theory and things like queer theory and disability theory becoming melded into feminist theory. Because second wave feminism, third wave feminists will tell you, uh, was limited in that it was feminism for middle class white women. Uh, And then that's, you know, obviously a little reductionist, uh, but it is There is the, the argument that third wave feminism is sort of built upon. So, uh. This, this, this intersectionality really rose in third wave feminism in the early 90s and, and kind of started to hit a peak towards the late 90s and early 2000s, which is obviously when Independence Day, uh, is written. And, uh, you know, uh, people argue that the uh, invention of the internet and, uh, the propagation of widespread access to the internet, uh, through smart devices and things like that has caused a rise In what we might call a fourth wave of feminism, uh, but that's obviously neither here nor there.
0: Thank you, man. I couldn't have possibly understood that without you.
1: Well, um, it's always good to have a man explaining feminism to me. Um, get that from the White House, too. So cool.
0: Okay, so back to the three women. So the president's wife represents first
1: wave feminism, right?
0: (laughs) Okay, so she's very much like the lady in the house, and she, she's literally
1: the the lady of the White House.
0: Yes, she's literally the lady of the White House. She's very traditional woman, um, and you know, it's it's she's morally superior. Like she's kind of like put on a pedestal and like literally dies like a sacrificial lamb. Yeah. All right, you still with me? Still with you? Okay, Jeff Goldblum's wife. Okay. All right, second wave feminism. Right? I love
1: Jeff Goldblum's wife in this by the way
0: I do too um, Because you know second wave feminism is all about Like we to, to <laughs> Progress we have to act like a man We need to take away all these like feminine Things we that objectify sh- us We need
1: shoulder pads and all our jackets
0: Exactly exactly like she went chasing after Her dreams and Joe Goldblum was like None of that shit and then they divorced because of it You know anyhow very white Very straight you know and like Women gotta stick together Jeff Goldblum's wife, second wave feminism. All right, you still with me, Kay? Yep. All right, third wave feminism is Defoe's Will Smith's girlfriend slash fiance slash about to get married. Yeah.
1: Yes. Okay, I buy this one. Okay, tell me why. So she is unabashedly a sex worker. She, at, at some point, the president's wife is like, so what do you do? Are you a dancer? And she says, or, you know, she says she's a dancer. The president's wife asks her oh, so what kind? Expecting something demure and feminine like ballet. No, she's an exotic dancer and she apologizes. Um, or, and the president's wife apologizes like, oh, I'm so sorry you had to live that life. And Jasmine is is just, no, this is the life I have to survive. I get, makes a lot of money, pays for food for my son. It's not a bad gig. And so she's totally reclaiming this quote unquote slut and this career that's not, necessarily conventionally acceptable career and so that's i think it's great i love i love that she just yep i do exotic dancing i make a lot of money the end yeah
0: no for sure and also you know she represents that non-traditional family they had their child out of wedlock
1: uh will smith isn't even i mean will smith's character isn't his father oh really no it's it's another unnamed dude
0: okay uh they have an untraditional family um you know Uh, A son that came out of wedlock before Will Smith. And it includes black people, hopefully, your third wave version of feminism. Hashtag intersectionality. Yes. So,
1: that's my theory. I can dig that. Yes. Now, I know you also have a theory. So, I think one of the main tropes throughout this film is the reclamation of masculinity. Yeah. So, we have four kind of main male characters that you follow their plot threads throughout. So you have Will Smith. Um, he is a army pi- or a Navy pilot. Um, you have Jeff Goldblum. You have Randy Quaid's character. Um, and you have the president. For sure, yeah. So each of them have significant faults. So Will Smith's only fault, really, is that he's dating a stripper.
0: Yeah. Well, that he doesn't have the traditional family. He doesn't
1: have the traditional yeah. family. Um, his dreams and aspirations he can't quite achieve, but... His dreams are to be go to NASA, so, you know, that's reasonable. Yeah. Jeff Goldblum couldn't keep his wife. Yes. Um, he's unambitious and she's ambitious. And then
0: uh, you have the pilot. Randy Quaid's character. Yes, and he basically uh, is a unsuccessful loser who disappoints his children.
1: Yeah, um, it's a really upsetting portrayal of mental illness, actually. Oh, yeah. Um, and PTSD. And alcoholism yeah it's not great not not great, and the President, who's just kind of impotent, um yeah, he doesn't he's depicted as formally great he was a fighter, he was a fighter pilot in the Gulf War. Politics isn't working out so hot for him, yeah, um so for Will Smith's character, he is able to reclaim the masculine ideal of family life, so he marries Jasmine, his girlfriend. Presumably, she's not going to be a stripper anymore. I think that's I mean, the it's implication. Yeah, he assumes the traditional fatherly role, you know, bringing joy to his son. Like it's actually kind of wholesome.
0: Yeah. Um, um. Jeff Goldblum, of course, him and his wife get back together.
1: Yeah. Um. And he also gains the respect of another man. So that's true. early in the movie, it's it's implied that he's very jealous. He tries. He punches the president at one point, um, because he thinks his wife's having an affair with him. Because. Of course she would be having an affair with her boss. Uh, that's the only reason she could be hanging out with him.
0: Oh, that's such a good point. I didn't realize that little uh, nugget
1: yeah. there. Um, and, but at the end, the president admires him because he's gone up and done this thing that's brave and sacrificial and ambitious. Yeah. Um, he's the masculine warrior. Um, so Randy Quaid's character, uh, again, the, the most upsetting one to me is – he literally can't make his family proud, despite the fact he's a veteran, despite the fact he presumably has a career as a crop duster. I told you I wouldn't let you down.
0: Just keep those guys off me for a few more seconds, will you?
1: He doesn't make his family proud until he literally sacrifices himself.
0: Do me a favor. Tell my children
2: I love them very much.
1: So he has to die to like achieve his masculinity. Yeah. It's the first time his son says he's proud of him is right after he's, you know, destroyed the alien spaceship with his own plane with him in it.
0: Um, And then we have the president, um, which of course, it's strange because his wife kind of has to die for him to reclaim. Also, side note, his wife is the president on Battlestar, which I thought was really funny. Power couple. I know, right? Um his wife kind of sacrifices herself in a way. Um and he kind of reclaims his masculinity through fatherhood and through, you know, achieving success as a president.
1: Also by going back into battle. Yes. He's, I mean, he's the leader who stepped away from the battlefield, and only can we claim his mantle as a leader once he's back on the battlefield. Right, right, right. Um,
0: um leading
1: it- leading the the force against the aliens.
0: And, of course, you know, everyone, as expected with movies, because, you know, we all have to end with the right morality in mind. We have to, everything in their, in their spaces. Um, everyone at
1: the end ends up in a nice, proper family of family roles and stuff, except for yeah. those who died. Except for those who died. Uh, yeah, and this this movie, I really wish someone would have done a death count for, for it, because it is, all major cities basically are gone yeah, a lot of a lot of civilian casualties in this one.
0: Yeah, I can't imagine that rebuilding is going to be uh, very easy.
1: Yeah, um, and one of the things that I think is interesting about this movie is the place America represents. Net, um, yeah. America as both the global leader, but also the leading leader against the uh, like an isolationist movement. So this is very much indicated to be a worldwide phenomenon. It is this disaster is happening. Literally everywhere, all major cities across the U.S. But they look to the U.S. to be the leader. Um, when America finally gets a battle plan in action and transmits it to battalions overseas and to other troops, um, the, British, the British tell them it's about damn time. Looking again, looking towards America to be the leader, but also America, but also working together. So it's it's a message of America, kind of as the police. Yeah. As the America, as like a global watchdog, but also.
0: As a leader. As a leader, so. Yeah. Um, there's like a weird God complex thing at the end. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that like, as it was happening, I was like, is this real right now? <laughs> so like, the America blows up the uh, alien spaceship. And then like there's these cuts to different parts of
1: the world as they're looking up at the alien. Where we're realizing that this is affecting, you know, everyone.
0: In the world. But it's like every single one that they flash to is like the most stereotypical version of that culture.
1: Yeah, it's it's really uh it, it's like the scene they put in just to be like pretend they were culturally sensitive and boy didn't they uh, they failed they, they missed failed. It. they, missed, the they mark. missed that mark oh so you get God. you get the caricature of like african tribes going up in the <laughs> through the bush and chewing. It's 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 and, uh, it's hard it's a hard i and you it's know a scene i forgot existed i didn't remember that scene yeah I, actually to be fair This movie has a lot of scenes I didn't remember. I remembered it being a much shorter movie than it was. Same. It's two and a half hours. Jesus.
0: It's very long. Um, Well, I want to leave it there. Um, I think that our show should really start um, mirroring everyday life, uh, art imitating life. And I want it to be very, very sad and, and culturally insensitive. And I feel like that's where we are in America. Sad and culturally insensitive. Okay. I'll buy that. So... That is mansplaining. Thanks
1: for sticking with us um, on our long hiatus. Uh, I am a world traveler now. I am closer to getting my MBA, for better I or worse. Graduate next semester? Yay! Yay! Um, so thanks for sticking with us. Um, as always, thanks to Kenny Kenny OO for a theme song, Add 60 Seconds to the Best Test. Uh, you can find more of their music at kennykennyoo.bandcamp.com.
0: And as always, you can reach us at our website, mansplaining.rivercityarchery.club. You can please, please, please subscribe and share. And and
1: yes. And uh, find us on Facebook. Just search us by Mansplaining. You'll find us. All right. Well, thank you so much. Until next time. This has been Mansplaining.